Hi, my name is Kabaz Ahush and I'm a researcher based in London. Over the last three years, along with Sefer Atefi, I have been working on a documentary called Radio Berlin, a documentary that tells the story of the first ever Persian radio station and how it shaped the Iranian political landscape. For the last two years, we have been part of the Close Up community and have been supported by our mentors at Close Up. Without a doubt, one of the most important aspects of being part of Close Up community is our conversations with filmmakers and artists from across Southwest Asia and North Africa. Conversations that often start by one of us trying to explain the background to our documentary or stories to others who might not be fully aware of the context of our work. For us Iranians, the last few months and the protests that followed death of Mahsa or Gina Amini have been transformative months. During these months, many of us have felt many mixed emotions. What you are about to hear in this podcast is part of the conversation that have been taken place between myself, Sepeh Atefi, and Mariam Polizban. Mariam Polizban is an Iranian actress and a scholar. Currently, she is under pressure from Islamic Republic and has been threatened even in Berlin. And as long as the Islamic Republic are in power in Iran, she cannot visit the country or work there. This conversation was recorded in January 2023. There are no moderators or hosts during this conversation, and we don't really talk about our works or projects, but instead we are sharing our thoughts on a very personal level. Thoughts and emotions that without doubt are the context to the works of many Iranians around the world these days. In the region where independent filmmakers and cinema are often under pressure from those with enormous power, Close Up podcast series is our place to speak up about our experiences and challenges as filmmakers and members of the Close Up community. We hope this episode provides you with honest and personal take on this important moment and how it may shape Iran and our community in the coming years. Who's going to start? I think you do. Yeah, you just say that you want to start, actually, Kabe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when the in September the protests in Iran started, uh, our friends at Close Up, who are in constant contact with us throughout the year and support us in different aspects of our work in making a documentary, started talking to us about the events that are happening in Iran and how they're impacting us. And there was clear sense of there is a conversation to be had from our perspective, what we see, how we feel. This podcast, we wanted to, in some way, start a conversation with some of the best people that we met over the last last couple of years through Close Up to share some of our emotions, both our fears, our pride, our hopes and all the mixed emotions that we've been feeling over the last three or four months. Hi, uh, as Kova said, uh, I'm another, another guest in this podcast, Seper Atefi. I'm filmmaker, journalist. I mean, Close Up asked us to to have a have a podcast. Maybe uh, I thought if we want to to talk about uh, the movement that its main slogan is uh, "Women, Life, Freedom." Then uh, two guys uh, sitting speaking about it. Maybe it's not the it's not the best thing that uh, we want to show the world. We are here now for uh, to to talk about many things, 
but also what's happening right now in Iran. Uh, also here with us is Mariam Polisban, who is a well-known actress uh, in Iran and Tatar Wissenschaftler. Scholar. <laughs> Wissenschaftlerin. <laughs> Scholar, yeah, as we say in German. Uh, she lives in Berlin. I live near Frankfurt. But uh, let's start with you, actually. Do you want to also uh, say a few words about uh, yourself? Yeah, but let's start with you, actually, Sarah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you, are, you are the one who invited me to be a part of this. But uh, yeah, I mean, you used to live in Berlin, too. So this is the reason that we know each other. So it's, um, I mean, just to start it from somewhere, my, my first visit to Berlin was because of my first film as a, a very young theater student in Tehran University. I make the mistakes to to <laughs> act in a film which uh, actually by for 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 many reasons but i really don't know for what reason exactly become a, a cult film let's say deep breath uh i guess i was like 19 years old as i act in that film the whole things i was doing in that years in tehran university was much more um, radical and uh, experimental way of doing theater and uh, I had the feeling that the whole things with the Iranian cinema stopped me anyway. But but just come to this point that my first visit to Berlin was because of this film. So so for, for the last few weeks when we had conversation, is it's kind of become very clear that your friendship with Seper also started at the time that, you know, there was a sense of protest and political uh, uprising in Iran happening in a, in a way in 2011. And now here we are sitting in a very different situation but also somewhat similar situation so it would be amazing to have both your views on your professional life uh now compared to uh 2011 but also your your relationship with Seper meeting in berlin for first time in 2011 compared to now as well um, for me, it came to the, the very uh, uh, critical point, as I uh, thought, moving to Berlin uh, because of private reasons in, uh, in my life. But I, I always admired the Iranian cinema and theater, and it was for me like unbearable uh, to, to move to Berlin and like cut all of the connections. So for me, was the most important reason uh, to, to keep this connection was to keep myself in a way alive. And uh, but the price was really high. Um, at that point, I would say I start to have like two very different way of living. One was the uh, actress or uh, uh, someone who is working in film and theater in Iran, which actually everybody thought that she's living in Iran. And the other one was the uh, was me starting to writing my PhD here about uh, performativity of killing. <laughs> that that was the title of that crazy workshop too, I would say. Yeah. And working as a scholar, I finished my PhD. I started to work in the Center of Literature and Cultural Studies in Berlin. And uh, actually everybody knew me here as a, as a scientist working in humanities, uh, philosophy and humanities. And I started to write in German and publishing in German. So I would not say they are like parallel life, but in a way too. And I met Sepper in those years and um, maybe he, sh he should say about it because I was, yeah, I was very maybe... curious always to know how, how he would say the whole story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, maybe I have to uh, talk a bit uh, also about my background story. 
I'm I'm a Baha'i, it's a religious minority in Iran who who is suppressed by the whole government. One of the main uh, discrimination against Baha'is is that they cannot go to officially to the uh, universities. Uh, when uh, when I got rejected from the university because I was a Baha'i, I uh, started with a couple of friends. Um, some blogs or I also become active like uh, as a as a human rights activist and then this this whole uh, election happened in 2009 which was really bad for freedom of speech which was under many attacks also before that but then after that it was really they came for for all of us it was a, I, I was active in Committee of Human Rights Reporters. Uh, they arrested, we were like 10 people inside Iran. They arrested like six, sevens of them. Uh, also, I was a Baha'i. I, I was in a, in a dangerous position. Uh, that's why I left the country. I, I went to Turkey and then six months uh, later in 2010, I came to uh, Germany. So that was uh, uh, one one year after when when I met Mariam in Berlin. That was really interesting for me because she knew that uh, I was a Baha'i and she was uh, this actress that had opportunities in Iran. But uh, but that was really uh, interesting for me to see that uh, she doesn't have this fear that maybe some some famous people uh, have like around us because we, we were like the outsider of the of the mainstream in Iran. We were we were taboo. We were like no-goes. If you have relationships, if you have friendships, mm, if these yeah. groups that that are considered as a, a enemy to Islamic Republic, then you risk your your opportunities too. I was also really aware of this situation. Like taking photos, I knew I I wouldn't publish these photos because as soon as like they found out these things, I didn't want to initiate anything or provoke anything. But can I can I just ask uh, when you say you wouldn't publish them? Um, I mean, at that time, both of you were living in Berlin, right? So you, yeah, that's you the were, thing. Neither uh, of you, neither of you were. No, I living. was. I, I was living in Berlin, but as I told you, I always uh, travel back and forth. I uh, started after I finished my PhD to even uh, teach uh, in 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 Tehran schools of art. So it was. I wanted to keep this relationship really alive. What Sepper say? It was like this that I published his photos in my private Instagram uh, uh, page. And I always thought it's okay. And the first time, the first time that I become aware of that, that they even have someone from your friends or from your colleagues in your private page that tell the, uh, the intelligence service of all of your contacts. I, I thought always, let's see how far I can go. So they cannot say, why are you friends with this or that? So can we, can we, <laughs> can we? repeat that and also like unpack it a little bit so you realize at one point that your private um instagram yeah. page that you have <laughs> is someone who you've trusted and you gave in them but you don't know who it is you know who it is was sharing that content with people who want to put pressure yeah. on you even in berlin yes yes exactly like this and it's at that point like some years ago i i, I thought it's 
it, I, I don't care about it. You know, I never published uh, the photos of my family in my uh, public page. It was always in my private page. And I always thought as long as I publish this stuff in my private, uh, private space, uh, they cannot put me under pressure. But I never thought like this, that they will use it against me at a point. That's that's really amazing and might be news to many our audience that uh, how much they want to control your life if you are like want to uh, go back to your uh, home country, visit your family, being active there. It's like this government wants to control your behavior and your appearance. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm talking about hijab right now. Yeah. How it, how does it feel when you really live it? Like mm. it's maybe also sometimes not so directly. They won't call you and but you feel this pressure that you. No, they are. You they are really direct. Back, they are really direct. Yes, I would yeah, say. You know, yeah. the first time I I had I had a I published my first uh, poet book. Yeah, in in Tehran, and then I I. I was first told that they googled my my name uh, in uh, to, to to see if there is any photos of me without scarf. From that point, I started to be um, careful. For example, I was actually in one or two theater project, but my first point with all of the director was that no photos of me during uh, to be published online. I know how many times I said no to, to film scripts because I knew if I want to do it in a way that I want. So it means that I should use my body and show it in front of the camera and it's make my whole decision to, to be able to go back to Iran and work there like impossible there. And this was the point that I never wanted until this specific time, which has happened some months ago. So let's say from the beginning of this revolution uh, for me it came to the point that I said okay now the price of this decision is so high that I don't want to stand behind it anymore I think there was a period at the very beginning of uh, when when the protests even weren't that big and quite early on um, you know actresses inside and mostly inside actually and some outside Iran they uh, uh, with, with such a normality they published pictures of themselves without headscarf and you were one of the people who the headline said <laughs> is, it's almost ridiculous when you talk about it now yeah. <laughs> that 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 there was a headline that you po you posted a picture of yourself without without headscarf on Instagram yes yes this is crazy. and and there is a lot of personal aspect to what's happening in Iran for for everyone even if even if you are outside of country but it's also I think there is one sense of one thing that unites all of the protesters with such a diverse backgrounds and such a diverse like lived experiences and that's there is a there is a sense that people do not want to pretend to be something other than who they are and of course for women that is a lot more central and important part of their life in Iran. If they want to have any public life, there has to be a degree of pretense. Mm -hmm. And I think what we've seen over the last four months is this pretense um, almost being put aside in personal and public life of many of us. Mm -hmm. Kava, let me uh, t um, just two very important things about outside and inside. For the uh, government of Islamic Republic, there is no... Iranian inside or outside. 
I was forced to to have this uh, self uh, censorship all the time when I'm working here, and sometimes I go uh, I don't know I had like a, a, a lecture about a Khomeini funeral I never forget that and my point was that I wrote that text but I never let anyone to publish that actually it was one of my best <laughs> texts so they, you always stop yourself but what I wanted to say is that you are always in a way in prison you are always in a way in ho- hostage because and you know that they are in in berlin really active you see you see and you feel them in all of the demonstration that you goes here so if there is no inside or outside iran you know like you should always as a, not only a woman but as as an iranian uh, you you can drink alcohol you can be without scarf you can have any other uh, religion or uh, ideological until it's private and it's in your head but if it become public and you show you belong to a community or you have like practicing something else then it will it will be so it's always now especially now it is still the the fight to to leave how you are living even privately yeah i mean uh if you are Iranian and you live inside Iran, you used to know that there is like uh, many lives going on. One is your official life, which you have to show in public, in a school. There's, there, there are certain things that you cannot talk about in a schools. And I think with, uh, with uh, women, with minorities, with um, when, if you are gay, if you are uh, trans, if you are uh, Baha'i, if you have to like live even more in this double life because uh, they really there is a like huge censorship inside, and it's like the Islamic government uh, promoting this uh, duplicity. Uh, and for me, one key thing that differentiate this this movement, this recent Jina uh, movement, uh, this women life freedom from the from the past. This is the nation for me, the people who, who are on the streets, they don't want to be hostages anymore. They want to be true to themselves, to their life, to their lifestyle. They want to live their life fully. Uh, and that's interesting because uh, like, I guess more than 80% of of the people of Iran, they were born after the Islamic revolution in 1978. They are living the life they didn't even like participate in making. Yeah, I mean, there's a gap between what is decided for the public and what the public wants to do. And for me, you know, there's I, I have to admit the last few months has been incredibly emotional i mean a lot of the time because of sense of pride that we feel in in sacrifices that people do and and a lot of the um, amazing uh, images that we've seen we kind of don't talk about brutal moments and the sad moments and and uh, you know the moments that we turn on the news like for example a couple of nights ago and it was announced that um, two people who um, have been arrested during the protest might be executed in the next eight to ten hours and then you you see something that you know i haven't seen before flock of people going to the prisons 
uh, and you know they there was huge amount of traffic around the prison area showing the protest what is happening in iran is a movement for human dignity but is also deeply rooted in a sense of solidarity towards each other there is no question that the movement started as a feminist movement but as the movement grow you can see that sense of solidarity that a authoritarian regime has tried to kill for decades is showing its branches and you can see people in ethnic minority communities in religious minority communities coming out for the support of each other something that uh, many perhaps wrongly did not expect to see um, and I think that is this this mixed emotions around around the beauty and the surprise and the sadness goes to the very nature of Islamic Republic that we talked about. is is a is an institution that is brutal. It doesn't mess around. It wants to control your life, even if you're sitting in Berlin or London. But at the same time, it has a very very set idea of what the ideal human being should be, and you need to follow that. Yeah, and that's what make me. Uh makes me hopeful about about the future uh, and to be clear uh, my hope like doesn't uh, it's it's more like uh, what Václav Havel think about about hope and to quote him uh, he says hope is definitely not the same thing as optimism it's not the conviction that something will turn out well but the certainty that something makes sense regardless of how it turns out and i mean we are in that situation right now i'm i'm not sure if if this revolution uh, will succeed in uh, in one month or one year or or uh, any period of time for that matter but what's happening right now in iran is it's full of meaning for me it's like so when younger girls go on the street and burn their uh, hijabs or unveil uh, the scarf uh, it's really uh, and men are coming also to support that it's really meaningful for me it's like uh, the scene that we never seen before i mean the whole thing about uh, the islamic law of hij- hijab let's say body of, of women uh, especially when they are showing themselves in public of course in my case on the stage or in front of the camera it's become so much uh, Uh, much more complicated than only covering your hair because it's just have something to do with even how you move, how you use your body and how you uh, about the whole things you present from yourself and how you you are as a person. So it's not only about uh, covering hair, but it's actually in a way just even uh, telling you uh, from the way you are showing yourself outside how you should feel inside. For me, one of the most important moments in this uh, revolution which is happening with Jane uh, Jian Azadi was the, the moment uh, to, to see what does it mean to, to, be, uh, to have the power and what does it mean to fight for something and not saying something from outside and uh, just looking at the woman in this whole area as letting the government to do with them what they want. So it's, it was always for me funny how the colleagues here uh, in, in Germany uh, tell me, so why are you saying, why, why don't you do this or that or just why are you 
let's say, traveling still? And why are you uh, uh, acting in the film in Iran? It was, uh, for me, always the question because it's so important to, to go there and fight from inside for something. But what happened during this revolution was completely a changing point. So for the first time, I had the feeling that there is no outside and inside have like pushing all of this uh, uh, political border away. It also must be noted that thousands of people are under arrest right now uh, and thousands 90, of people. 90,000, yeah. 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 And, and there's thousands of people who were arrested for a shorter period of time and were released with huge amount of bails, but also constantly called or monitored. Again, it just, I like to emphasize that because it is important to understand that if, if someone from inside Iran publishes an Instagram post or writes an article or goes to the streets, the cost of that, then the potential cost of that for them is so significant that makes the every act of rebellion in Iran so important, but also so beautiful as well. So yeah, I just, I just wanted but, to... But you say always beautiful, you know, like, what was it? Like two, two days ago, three days ago, I read this this uh, uh, film critic, which he was freed from the uh, uh, prison and he killed himself and he's not the first one. These, these cases that they are getting more and more of people who kill themselves after they are freed from the prison, I mean, I even thought maybe they kill them. Maybe they are. I mean, you know, you become paranoid and you, I thought always maybe they kill them and they want everybody to, to become, to, to, to have so much fear. And, and it's also significant to talk about the fact that a lot of people who are A, not known, not public figure, and B, are from the lower socioeconomical classes, face a very different treatment in yes. prison. The reports of sexual violence, both against men and women, are very different in terms of how they surface themselves. You know, it's, it's important, it's, as much as it's important to discuss uh, what is happening in Iran and why is happening in Iran, it's very clear that the, there is a conscious effort uh, on behalf of a lot of activists, an uh, effort which I fully support to put huge amount of focus on the fate of people who are on in prison right now because if you if you are not used to following the news in Iran you might see the emptiest streets and every now and then like there are days that there is no protests in Iran there has been days that there has been very limited maybe just a small funeral or something you might see that and you think oh this is the end of the movement or this is the end of the protest but what cameras don't show is hundreds of people uh, up and down the country working tirelessly to make sure mass execution doesn't happen, to make sure that minors are released from prison, to make sure people who have been set huge amount of bail can get access to that money and have some freedom. And this is founded based on a fear of people who have experienced Islamic Republic and its different phases over the last 42 years. I mean, uh, many of the younger generation might might have until a couple of years ago not known about the massacre of political prisoners in, in 1980s when yeah. thousands were executed in prison. But a lot of people who, who are human rights advocates 
are very well aware of what happened in Iranian prison in 1980s. And there's a real struggle and a, and, a, and a part of revolution that is not so sexy for cameras and it doesn't get catched by cameras is people doing those activism, making sure that Islamic Republic cannot and would not uh, go down the same route again with those yeah, prisoners. This government had a huge history of controlling the data which are coming out. So at the same time, I would not say that, for example, in Kurdistan or Baluchistan, even in northern Iran, they are, of course, every day, maybe demonstrations, because I remember as the videos came out, everybody inside told me it's it's thousand times much more than you see in the cameras. So I would say now that we see like less, it's still there, but the, the thing is that it's a government who always working with all of the information. And this is the crazy thing about that. This is the thing that the, the case of having hope about the whole things becomes some days very, very, very hard. I think it's really important to also note that it's not accident that the amount of professional footages coming out of Iran this time compared to 10 years ago is significantly less. And part of the reason is that for last two years since uh, 2019, November 2019 protests, people with um, professional cameras, the photojournalists, filmmakers, have been regularly warned by the security authorities that at the time of protests, you are not allowed to go to the streets. You are not allowed to go and take pictures. You're not allowed to upload them on any website like Getty Image or something like that of protests. And I think there is a democratization of like documenting what's happening in the streets as well, because in the absence of those people who professionally could do that, and of course, some of them have done and a few of them are in prison right yeah. now for doing so. Well, I think one of the serious challenges that Islamic Republic faces with these protests is um, the number of young people who in their own words described who they are and lived their life for uh, little Instagram channels, for little YouTube channels. And when people realize that, oh, wow, everyone who's in the street has a story similar to us and wants something similar to us. So that demonization and that control over state media did not have the same impact anymore um, that, it, that it used to have. And I guess also uh, going back to what Mariam said before, there is always like this performative act in some of the some of the protests. For example, if we go to back to a couple of years ago when when Vida Movahed uh, like put her headscarf uh, on the stick and just protesting like that, it was really performative. It's like a it's like a, a act, and uh, and this is coming also from not not from the artists it's are like ordinary people that they perform in such artistic way to to draw attention to uh what they think this they are they want to talk but they they use creative ways to to talk about what what they want to talk about um no, I'm just thinking, you know, you have at the same time, of course, the videos of the one who have been killed or have been sentenced to death and dancing. I feel how my my voice shaking all the time when I want to talk about this. So it's still uh, we are passing a kind of daily panic. I don't know. Uh, anyway, but but the revolution partly has happened, actually. You know, it's a very important process that has been happening inside the people. 
uh, inside the families, which I think is the most important one. Yeah, in in let's say in in people's mind, the Islamic Republic is already gone. They are they are there only with with the power of uh, guns. That's that's the only thing that they uh, uh, held them in power right now. Um, last five or six years has has is 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 a moment is it feels like an yeah. important moment uh you know and and they're all interlinked together this is a moment that we all need to think about how we can support what's happening in iran and how what are the tools that iranians use what are the ways that they express themselves that they can be supported by by if you like to call it allies or if you like to call it people who are just um on a very human level, compassionate about what's happening in Iran. I think, I think for me, it is incredibly important to creating spaces for the stories of Iranians that we haven't heard. I mean, we've, we've all witnessed different sides and different aspects of oppression, oppressive regime that it is, but there are identities and there are lived experiences that we don't know about. And I think this is an incredibly important moment because everyone is so authentic and so earnest about wanting to be themselves, but also wanting to hear about other people's identity. So this could be an important, really incredibly important moment for the art community outside of the country and inside of the country. And I make that distinction <laughs> purely because uh, of the non-Iranian art community outside of the country. I take your point on Maya from earlier that the line between inside and outside is so blurred now. But I think it's an important moment. And I think art community can do a lot my hope is that over the next five or six years we see a revolution in 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 documentaries a democratization of creation of art and culture in iran we see hundreds of people completely bypass traditional gatekeepers that existed in iran and we hear authentic voices that for last 42 years have been censored or shut down I mean, the, the, even the, the officials, uh, they said uh, we cannot going back to the what what used to be Iranian cinema with the standards uh, that that we had. Everything is changing, and and I believe also what you said, uh, Kaveh. There will be many many more stories, hopefully, uh, on what we didn't know about in the the last. 40 plus years. I don't want to um, say, uh, you know, this kind of uh, similar stuff about uh, how do we, how do people, how do government and all of these things can support uh, uh, Iranians now, because I think they are, uh, there have been so many misunderstandings and so many problems with that too, and there are different ideas. But what I want to say, and I think it's very important, is that, that the, uh, I have never thought that doing films especially inside Iran now, <laughs> will become such a kind of uh, war space. I mean, they have, uh, they have been very successful to, to completely destroy uh, the very huge scene of independent filmmaking in Iran. So it happened during the last five years that even uh, uh, direct, film directors, which used to belonging to the independent scene, are now working for the officials uh, and uh, earning huge money with that but just just uh, concentrating on a very small group which were not connecting with the government and were still independent and are trying to make or do something it's 
so dangerous, so important, and they are as if they are fighting in the in front now. Just just say to know there was a, a very great manifest that the theater people wanted to publish in Iran, and before like some day before it was published, they were called by intelligence service and telling them there is a line. <laughs> There is a line in this, this manifest that when this one came out, then they will arrest you. So the manifest didn't came out, but they already knew who were the most important one behind that. And they called them. And so if they do one other step, they will put to jail. So this is another way that they make the people silent and they were successful. S such a strange moment in the history that doing art become such a paradox of uh, uh, working for and against a government, a political power at the same time. And maybe we should also tell that uh, that so-called celebrities, Iranian uh, actor and actress, uh, stars of the cinema, they are also in, in a position that they should uh, like take a side. They cannot, as, as we say in Farsi, Vasat <laughs> Boz, which is playing in the middle uh, yeah. the people on the street like saying okay uh, you cannot play in the middle anymore you have to take uh, there is no there's no gray zone anymore for me it's still the wish that i can keep my connection and being able to travel back and forth this really important right to be able to to travel to the country you have been grown up to, to the place that speak your mother language and to be connected with the with the Iranian uh, film uh, and theater scene inside Iran. This, these are three very, very important points for me. And this is, this is a wish I have for the future. Of course, um, this is such a kind of like private <laughs> individual wish, but um, you, I, I don't know, you, I, I wish like uh, this, this, this somehow stop that you can, uh, you can feel uh, um, safe and you can feel uh, free. These are the most important uh, feelings that everybody needs, I guess, now. This, uh, this difference uh, from outside and inside, there is no difference in terms of uh, what we want, what are uh, our rights uh, to going back to Iran, to, to be free and to live uh, our life uh, true and fully. But uh, to be clear, it's also... Uh, clear also to us that uh, we are in a safe uh, safe country and uh, people inside are are paying a huge huge price and they are really brave for uh, what they are doing and what uh, they are protesting you know the next the next few months um, no one really can tell what will happen for certain and the reason that despite the Despite Islamic Republic having so much more power on paper, no one can predict what might happen is because, as we mentioned earlier, this is not just a protest wave. This is a moment. This is a change taking place in the society. And I'm personally, um, I'm anxious, if I have to be honest. I'm deeply anxious, and I have been for the last few months for the human cost of it. But I'm also... Um, looking forward to this new Iran. I'm looking forward to the openness and the willingness to listen to other people's stories in this new Iran. As someone who has lived 
most of my life outside of the country and haven't visited Iran for decades. I hope that this trend of removing barriers between Iranians inside and outside continues to a point that we genuinely we have a genuine open community and we can all be our best and we can all contribute our best and that community can be a source of power for everyone wherever they are on the, um, on the planet.